I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading 2 Kings chapters 5-8. through 8. If you recall in our last reading, Elijah turned the reins over to Elisha. And in this chapter, chapter 5, the first 18 verses, Elisha practices some more unconventional medicine. Verse 1. Now Naaman, captive of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance into Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. She said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is coming to thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God, to kill and to make alive, that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so, when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he said to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, Wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant." But he said, As the Lord liveth, before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. And Naaman said, Shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules' burden of earth? 
For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. In this thing the Lord pardon thy servant, that when my master goeth into the house of Rimmon to worship there, and he leaneth on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, when I bow down myself in the house of Rimmon, the Lord pardon thy servant in this thing. So here we have Syria's military commander, Naaman, and he has leprosy. In the course of battle, Naaman had captured a gal out of the northern kingdom who had been serving as a maid in his household. She comments one day in verse 3, she says, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. When the king of Syria sends his commander Naaman to Israel with 7,500 pounds of silver and 2,400 pounds of gold in exchange for healing from leprosy, the king of Israel, who is Jehoram at that time, thinks that the king of Syria is trying to pick a fight. Now, that's about $2 million or so in gold by today's standards. So, Elisha to the rescue. After hearing of King Jehoram's distress, Elijah sends word to direct Naaman his way. Things just aren't simple with Elijah. He doesn't even come out to greet Naaman. Instead of a celebrity welcome, Elisha sends a messenger to meet him who requires him to go wash seven times in the Jordan River. Naaman leaves in a rage, but his servant convinces him to take the plunge. It works. He's healed. Elisha declines to take a compensation for the healing. Naaman, however, convinced now that Elisha serves the only true God, asks for two mule loads of dirt to take back to Syria with him. Now, that's a strange request. Well, it seems that he wants to spread it out back on Syrian soil and kneel there when the Syrian king requires him to bow down to their false gods. Obviously, somewhere along the way, Naaman missed the point. However, Elisha agrees to give him the dirt. Incidentally, the Syrian god, Rimmon, is only mentioned here in this passage. Then we see a big price to pay for greed, beginning in chapter 5, verse 19. And he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master hath spared Naaman this Syrian, in not receiving at his hands that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him, and take somewhat of him. So Gehazi followed after Naaman, and when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down from the chariot to meet him, and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master hath sent me, saying, Behold, even now there be come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. And Naaman said, Be content, take two talents. And he urged him, and bound two talents of silver in two bags, with two changes of garments, and laid them upon two of his servants, and they bare them before him. And when he came to the tower, he took them from their hand and bestowed them in the house, and let the men go, and they departed. But he went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And he said, Thy servant went no whither. And he said unto him, Went not mine heart with thee, when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? Is it a time to receive money, and to receive garments, and olive yards, and vineyards, and sheep, and oxen, and men servants, and maid servants? The leprosy therefore of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. 
Well, Gehazi was Elisha's main man, but he got greedy. More than greedy, actually, he was a conniving thief in actuality. I mean, he ran after Naaman and said that Elisha had changed his mind about not taking compensation for the healing. Gehazi's lying tale continues. He makes up the story. Two prophets showed up and need some silver and changes of clothing. Considering what Naaman was offering in the first place, well, he doesn't take much from Naaman here, about 25000 in silver, but when he returns, Elisha's waiting for him. Hint, never try to fool a real prophet. They'll generally see it coming. When Elisha confronts him over his dishonest actions, does he fire him? Well, no. He gives him leprosy right there on the spot. In chapter 8, though, we'll see that Gehazi doesn't seem to hold any grudges over this. In chapter 6 of Second Kings, we see a little parlor trick here where the axe head floats. Verse 1, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, into Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. Well, no miracle is too small for Elisha. When the local group of prophets decide that their communal housing is too limited, they ask for Elisha's permission to build a larger quarters for themselves. In the process of gathering the lumber next to the Jordan River, one of the prophets loses his axe head in the water. Well, the axe was borrowed. Elisha comes to the rescue and makes the axe head swim. Isn't it interesting that a miracle such as that gets shared with us? However, miracles just like this one serve to multiply Elisha's reputation as a man of God in Israel, the old wicked northern kingdom. In chapter 6, beginning with verse 8, here come the Syrians again. Where is Elisha? Verse 8. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there, not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called the servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel. Telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, 
Open his eyes, that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young men, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass, when they were come into Samaria, that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men, that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha, when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with the sword and with the bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared great provision for them, and when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. Elisha, even though they were wicked, he was a protector of Israel. That's the northern kingdom here. Now, remember the northern kingdom, they never served God. But for some reason, God gave them the wise counsel of Elisha anyway. Israel shared their border with the Syrians. I wonder if Naaman had anything to do with this attack. So the Syrians plan an attack and set up an ambush. God tells Elisha about the ambush. Elisha tells the king of Israel, Jehoram, and the ambush is diverted. Disturbed at their failure, the king of Syria wants to find out who the spy is. Well, there is no spy, just Elisha with supernatural ears, he's told. While visiting Dothan about a dozen miles north of Samaria, the Syrian king surrounds the city, hoping to catch Elisha. Two things subsequently happen to the Syrians. First, they see visions of soldiers and chariots of fire. Then they meet Elisha, who convinces them, with a lie, I might add, that they had come to the wrong place looking for Elisha. Some sort of a blindness happened to them here, a partial blindness in reality, it appears. And he led them right to the army of Samaria in their search for Elisha. Now, instead of having Elisha surrounded in Dothan, the Syrian army is surrounded in Samaria by the Israeli army. When the king of Israel asks Elisha what to do, he directs Jehoram to feed them and send them home. What a day! One clarification is in order here. Verse 23 speaks of a form of attack when it says, So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. While the strategy of raids into Israel with these small bands of soldiers ceased, the following account makes it clear that war between Syria and Israel didn't cease. And that brings us to chapter 6, verse 24. And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, If the lord do not help thee, whence shall I help thee? out of the barn floor, or out of the winepress? And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son, that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. 
So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes and passed by upon the wall. And the people looked, and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. Then he said, God do so, and more also to me, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him this day. But Elisha sat in his house, and the elders sat with him, and the king sent a man from before him. But ere the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, See ye how this son of a murderer hath sent to take away mine head? Look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door, and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he yet talked with him, behold, the messenger came unto him, and he said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. What should I wait for the Lord any longer? Now to chapter 7, verse 1. Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, in the gate of Samaria. Then the Lord, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God, and said, Behold, if the Lord make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. Well, in this passage, Samaria is surrounded by the Syrian army. Can't get food into the city. This caused a citywide famine that was so bad that they paid incredible amounts of money for a donkey head. That would be the worst serving portion of an unclean animal there. But wait, there's more. They bought dove excrement to eat for two pounds of silver. Now, how hungry is that, I'm asking? Then the unthinkable. A mom hollers at the king for intercession regarding a failed deal with another mom. She said, we'll eat my son today and yours tomorrow. Except after they feasted on this woman's son, the other woman hid her son. Israel. Cannibalism. I mean, that's just incredible. However, it was a fulfillment of God's words to Israel back in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 29. Need to look at that chapter. So whose fault is all this famine anyway? Well, after a little bit of mourning, the king of Israel goes into a temporary rage, blaming Elisha of all people, threatens to take off his head. When the king's man shows up to take off his head, Elisha gives him some good news and some bad news. He said, tomorrow there'll be lots of nice food to eat, but not for you. Why? Because you said it couldn't be done. Well, here's a rule of thumb. When you're talking to Elisha, never taunt Elisha. Elisha's prophecy regarding this messenger's death is fulfilled when we get over to Second Kings chapter 7, verses 17 through 20. Well, which brings us, by the way, to Second Kings chapter 7. And we'll start here with verse 3. And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. 
And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried vent silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered to another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came and called unto the port of the city, and they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied, and asses tied, and the tents as they were. And he called the porters, and they told it to the king's house within. And the king arose in the night, and said unto his servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry, therefore are they gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, When they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. And one of his servants answered and said, Lest some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain, which are left in the city. Behold, they are as all the multitude of Israel that are left in it. Behold, I say, they are even as all the multitude of the Israelites that are consumed. And let us send and see. They took therefore two chariot horses, and the king sent after the host of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. And they went after them unto Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels, which the Syrians had cast away in their haste, and the messengers returned and told the king. And the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. And the king appointed the Lord, on whose hand he leaned to have the charge of the gate. And the people trode upon him in the gate, and he died." as the man of God had said, who spake when the king came down to him. And it came to pass, as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel, and a measure of fine flour for a shekel, shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And that Lord answered the man of God and said, Now behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, might such a thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And so it fell out unto him, for the people trolled upon him in the gate, and he died. Four starving lepers outside the town of Samaria there decide they just have nothing to lose. Let's go get some food from the Syrians. Well, die here, die there. I mean, what's the difference? So these four lepers head for the Syrian army outside Samaria, except the Syrian army mistakenly thinks these four lepers might be leading a large mercenary army of Hittites and Egyptians. Why? Well, verse 6 says, For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. That was divine intervention from Elisha. The army flees their camp, horses, food, and everything, and they head for the hills. At first, the lepers think only of themselves, but then they decide to share this find with the king of Israel. Subsequently, the king of Israel, after determining that it was not a Syrian trick, sends the people of Samaria out to take the plunder of the Syrian army. 
So here we are on the next day after Elisha's prophecy. Everybody has plenty of food, just as Elisha had prophesied in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. Oh, by the way, remember that captain back in verse 2, who Elisha said would see the food but not partake of it? Well, here in this passage, he's trampled by all the hungry people, and he dies hungry. In chapter 8, Gehazi gets an audience before the king. Verse 1, Then spake Elisha unto the woman, whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise, and go thou and thine household, and sojourn, wheresoever thou canst sojourn. For the Lord hath called for a famine, and it shall also come upon the land seven years. And the woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God. And she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. And it came to pass that the seven years end that the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines. And she went forth to cry unto the king of her house and for her land. And the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elisha hath done. And it came to pass as he was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life. And behold, this woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed unto her a certain officer, saying, Restore all that was hers and all the fruits of the field since that day that she left the land, even until now. Well, Elisha's servant, Gehazi, he just can't say enough good things about Elisha to the king. Remember the Shunammite woman whose son had been brought back from the dead by Elisha back in Second Kings chapter 4, verses 8-37? through Well, she lost all of her property. Elisha had warned her to leave, and she'd done so. It just so happens that She's returned from the land of Philistines after the famine was over to find that her property was no longer her property. The woman, coincidentally, is making her appeal to the king of Israel while Gehazi is bragging on Elisha. When the king makes the association between the woman and Elisha, he restores her property. Now we read Second Kings chapter 8, verse 7. And Elisha came to Damascus, and Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, was sick, and it was told him, saying, the man of God has come hither. And the king said unto Hazael, Take a present in thine hand, and go meet the man of God, and inquire of the Lord by him, saying, Shall I recover of this disease? So Hazael went to meet him, and took a present with him, even of every good thing of Damascus, forty camels' burdens, and came and stood before him, and said, Thy son Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, hath sent me to thee, saying, Shall I recover of this disease? And Elisha said unto him, Go say unto him, Thou mayest certainly recover, howbeit the Lord hath showed me that he shall surely die. And he settled his countenance steadfastly until he was ashamed, and the man of God wept. And Hazael said, Why weepest, my Lord? And he answered, Because I know the evil that thou wilt do unto the children of Israel, their strongholds without set on fire, and their young men wilt thou slay with the sword and will dash their children, and rip up their women with child. And Hazael said, But what is thy servant a dog, that he should do this great thing? And Elisha answered, The Lord hath showed me that thou shalt be king over Syria. So he departed from Elisha, and came to his master, who said to him, 
what said Elisha to thee? And he answered, He told me that thou shouldest surely recover. And it came to pass on the morrow that he took a thick cloth and dipped it in water and spread it on his face so that he died. And Hazael reigned in his stead. The king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, sends Hazael to Elisha to get some words from God regarding the Syrian king's recovery from his illness. When Hazael arrives with 40 camels loaded down with gifts for Elisha, he gets the good news regarding the king of Syria. He'll recover. But there's more news. You, Hazael, will become a ruthless man who will ravage and torture the people of Israel. How? Well, the inquiring mind of Hazael wants to know. So Elisha tells Hazael that he will kill the king of Syria and that he'll become the king himself. So Hazael gives the king of Syria the good news. And then the next day, smothers him with a wet bedsheet. Now it's King Hazael of Syria. Now there's a little more to the story that's found elsewhere over in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15. God had commanded Elijah at that time to anoint Hazael as the king of Syria before his departure. So Elisha's prophecy here is simply a continuation of that which had begun back when Elijah was the main man, the prophet of that day. In chapter 8, verses 16 to 24, we see that Judah gets an evil king. Now, this is paralleled over in Second Chronicles chapter 21, but we're not going to read that today. It's written in the written notes of BibleTrack.org in blue so that you can see the parallel passages, but today we're just going to read the passage from Second Kings chapter 8, beginning here with verse 16. And in the fifth year of Joram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, being then king of Judah, Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, began to reign. Thirty and two years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. And he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, as did the house of Ahab. For the daughter of Ahab was his wife, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Yet the Lord would not destroy Judah for David his servant's sake, as he promised him to give him alway a light and to his children. In his days Edom revolted from under the hand of Judah and made a king over themselves. So Joram went over unto Zer and all the chariots with him, and he rose by night and smote the Edomites, which compassed him about, and the captains of the chariots and the people fled into their tents. Yet Edom revolted from under the hand of Judah unto this day. Then Libna revolted at the same time. And the rest of the acts of Joram and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? And Joram slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. And Ahaziah, his son, reigned in his stead. Now, the two Jehorams, one in Judah and one in Israel, they're differentiated in the summary that we find in Second Chronicles chapter 21. As I mentioned, that's the parallel passage to today's reading. The fuller account of Jehoram's reign is to be found in that passage in Second Chronicles 21, along with the treachery of his wife Athaliah after his death. While Jehoram only gets eight verses here in Second Kings 8, he gets a whole chapter in Second Chronicles chapter 21. Judah's new king here is Jehoram. There was another Jehoram who was king of Israel. Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat of Judah, was married to Ahab's daughter, Athaliah. He was, if you recall, the deceased king of Israel. Wicked, wicked, wicked. 
married to Jezebel. And, uh, well, that makes Jezebel Athaliah's mother. So how about when your mother's Jezebel and your daddy's Ahab? In this brief account, we see that Jehoram fought against Edom, but he was an evil, evil king. However, because of God's promise to David, God didn't destroy Judah. We see that in verse 19. The Edomites continued for centuries being a problem for Judah and Israel. If you'd like to see more information on the Edomites, then uh, look at the, um, at the notes for August 31st, uh, the book of Obadiah, where the notes are there. And over on the right side of that passage is a yellow box with the history of the struggle between Israel and Judah and Edom. Now, in the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today, I have a summary of King number 5 over Judah, Jehoram, from 848 to 841 B.C. That brings us to 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 25. Jehoram out and Ahaziah in. The account of Ahaziah's reign is also found in the parallel passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 22, verses 1 through 6. That's not part of today's reading, but if you're looking at the written notes of BibleTrack.org, that parallel passage is listed right along beside this passage in 2 Kings chapter 8. Verse 25, In the twelfth year of Joram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, did Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, began to reign. Two and twenty years old was Ahaziah when he began to reign, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Athaliah, the daughter of Amri, king of Israel. And he walked in the way of the house of Ahab, and did evil in the sight of the Lord, as did the house of Ahab, for he was the son-in-law of the house of Ahab. And he went with Joram, the son of Ahab, to the war against Hazael, king of Syria, and Ramoth-Gilead, and the Syrians wounded Joram. And King Joram went back to be healed in Jezreel of the wounds which the Syrians had given him at Ramah, when he fought against Hazael, king of Syria. And Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Joram, the son of Ahab, in Jezreel, because he was sick. Now this Ahaziah is not to be mistaken with the Ahaziah who was Ahab's son and had been king of Israel. However, this Ahaziah, king of Judah, well, he didn't serve the one true God either. As a matter of fact, it says here that he did evil in the sight of the Lord. His mother was the wicked Athaliah, daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. Verse 26 in this passage reports that Ahaziah was actually 22 years old when he began to reign. Given the fact that his father Jehoram was only 40 years old when he died, it's certain that Ahaziah was 22 years old when he did begin to reign. He does do a cooperative battle effort with the king Jehoram, also known as Joram of Israel, against King Hazael and his Syrians. Jehoram was Ahaziah's uncle, brother to his mother Athaliah. Uncle Jehoram is wounded in the battle, and Ahaziah subsequently goes to visit his injured uncle Jehoram in Jezreel. And then we have a summary at the very bottom of today's reading in the written notes of BibleTrack.org of Ahaziah, king of Judah, from 841 B.C. to 841 B.C., just one year. He was king number six, and by the way, he was evil. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walton. 